0: This is episode number 75 of Patrick Jones Baseball. In this episode, we have Bob Crotty, who is the owner of Green Diamond Gallery in Cincinnati, Ohio. Green Diamond Gallery is a baseball memorabilia paradise. It is the greatest collection of baseball items outside of Cooperstown, New York. Each month, they bring in a brand new speaker to talk to their private audience, and we get into what you have to be and what you have to do to become a private member there. Um, Next month, they're bringing in Roger Clemens, which will be absolutely fantastic. Bob, if you're listening to this, I am available on that date. Um, so I have a fantastic conversation with Bob in this in this episode I um, really appreciate him taking the time to come on the podcast and we go over uh, the Hall of Fame debate of peds um, where the game of baseball is is going is it going in a good or bad direction um, awesome stuff but before we get to that blast motion blast motion is the best bass sensor on the market something I've been using for a couple of years now and and I talk about it regularly in the podcast because I believe in it so much. Um, it tracks your bat speed, how long you're in playing with the pitch for, time to contact. Um, there's no better, affordable way to track and look at your swing and make adjustments than using Blast Motion. So head on over to BlastMotion.com and type in code PJB25 for $25 off. And here we have Bob Crotty. <laughs> All right, and now we are live with the owner of Green Diamond Gallery, Bob Crowdy. Bob, thanks for coming on today. Oh, honored to be with you. So tell me, I was here uh, several months ago with the general manager here, uh, Dan Bell, and he was like, "You got to get Bob on. You got to get Bob on." You know, he he's the one who kind of envisioned all this happening. Um, For those who don't know, this is kind of basically. There's nothing outside of Cooperstown, New York that has this type of baseball memorabilia um, anywhere in the country, in my opinion. Um, how did this all come
1: about? Uh, Patrick, this probably all started back when I was just a little guy. Uh, I'm going to be 60 years old now ne- at my next birthday. And I'm going to say it was probably around eight, nine years old. You know, I went to a Reds game, and I'm dating myself here by admitting that it was a Crosley Field. Uh, with my brothers and my dad, and uh, when we were leaving the the um, the ball game, I was kind of smitten by the uh, the souvenir stand. So we stopped and I got a souvenir, and then uh, each subsequent game after that, I always stopped and started getting trinkets and whatnot from the souvenir stand. So that's kind of technically where it all started. And then you basically got all of the, uh,
0: so you started collecting memorabilia when you were a kid where you just like kind of put it in your garage type of a deal or like how i mean there's so much yeah, stuff yeah yeah
1: it's uh well you know like most collections it starts and then it kind of goes above the somebody's desk in their bedroom takes over the corner takes over the bedroom i think eventually it took over my parents basement and then when i moved out of the house i always had a dedicated room for it uh, it had gotten to the point where I actually had a lot of it in storage and I was more or less accumulating and collecting, I wasn't displaying. Uh, so it's uh it's been it's like kudzu. It just kept growing.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how I mean, how did you kind of come in contact with like uh getting all the different, you know, just starting out, I guess as a kid were you just collecting baseball cards and then yeah. it kind of eventually domino effect into other things?
1: Yeah, I I actually got I'm not m I am not i was not much into the card aspect of it and that is a a huge element of or segment of this hobby, uh, I had collected like you know complete sets of, or bought complete sets of top baseball cards back in you know early seventies and on and whatnot. But uh, that was pretty much all I dealt with is in terms of baseball cards. I was always enamored with you know photos and autographs and and whatnot originally. And back then there was a it wasn't this this trade or uh, industry wasn't as formalized or, or as organized but it did have like a little publication called sports collectors D- D- digest I believe it was and it's something you could subscribe to and it was just uh, a community of collectors that could post you know stuff for sale or what they wanted to trade and whatnot I would write uh, all the major league clubs each year you know trying to order a yearbook you um, let's see if any reds were appearing locally i'd go down there and try to get an eight by ten signed a photo eight by ten sign um anywhere and everywhere i just try to pick up things and there were at that time i think you'd see these little memorabilia stores sprout up from time to time and i'd stop in there once i saved up enough money from cutting grass or shoveling snow or what have you i'd I'd spend it on that stuff
0: (laughs) And then as you got older, um, were you kind of just doing it on the side since you were working? What, what did you do for a living? I know you told me before we started, you sold your, your business. Uh,
1: yeah. Um, my brothers and I had a, a uniform service company that was headquartered in Dayton, Ohio, called Van Dyne Crotty, And, and uh, that was my, my day job. And uh, we ran that for, we took that over and ran that for a good 30 years before we sold it and um, we did very well with that. Uh, we worked hard at that and but even uh, even then I was always kind of collecting on the side um, it, it, I just always enjoyed it uh, you know writing players, former players trying to get their signatures um, getting deeper into the hobby, getting more connected as to who's who who has what um, got more involved in the auctions and whatnot so, uh, that's kind of how it just kept growing.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then once you started um, getting more and more memorabilia, um, when did kind of you think of, hey, maybe I should just open up my own
1: place? <laughs> <laughs> well, it uh, when, uh, when we sold our business, that was back in 2006. So, it's been a number of years now. I guess at that point, I had some time on my hands. So, I had you know kind of looked at everything and said I got a lot of stuff here and I it was kind of a decision time either get rid of it or do something with it and the fact that I had some time on my hands at the, uh, then I decided to do something with it and came up with this crazy idea like hey I'm going to put this in a semi-public setting I just want to share it uh, problem is most collectors will accumulate a lot of stuff but unless you know them personally You'll never see it right, unless right. you're invited into their house. I just, I, I just decided, hey, I want to put it somewhere where I can somehow share it. Uh, so came up with this crazy idea. We'll go get rent some uh, commercial space, start a club. And a lot, I asked a, uh, some buddies of mine at the time, hey, it, this is a leap of faith. Uh, I would like for you to get involved and at least join. And hopefully... We do something pretty good here that would attract like-minded people and we'll have a program each month and um, I'm kind of bouncing all over the board here but that's what really makes the club is not so much the venue and the material, it's our programming. Uh, That's what uh, attracts and pretty much certainly keeps our members here.
0: When you say programming, what do you mean?
1: Uh, Patrick, every month of the year for our members, we have a, what we call a member event. The member, uh, By the way, the name of the membership group is the Wright Society. So it's the Wright Society that convenes at Green Diamond Gallery. And for those of uh, folks out there that may not be aware of this, but we came up with the name Wright Society in honor of George and Harry Wright, who were part of the founding of professional baseball right here in, uh, in, in Cincinnati back in 1869. So that's uh, the name of the society is in honor of them. So the Wright Society convenes at Green Diamond Gallery once a month. And these are typically on Thursdays, the second or third Thursday of the month. Um, sometimes we venture off a little bit because of who we're having in and what their schedule is. But generally it's a second or third Thursday of each month. Uh, it's pretty much an informal meet and greet with a notable or a legend from the game. It's pretty cool. Um, the, our members come in. Uh, it's, it's a great fraternity. They've all gotten to know each other pretty well. Uh, they're like-minded folks. Uh, we've got Fortune 500 executives to small business owners to retired executives. It's a wide variety of people, but a good group of folks. Um, they get together, and we have a beer and wine bar um, that comes with the membership. We have uh, heavy hors d'oeuvres. Um, they get together, they reconnect, and then we have a podium program where we introduce a notable from the game. Uh... And when you
0: say notable from the game, you told me beforehand you've had, what, half of, um, the current members of the Hall of Fame who are living? Correct. So these aren't just like...
1: Yeah, that, thanks, yeah, that's a good, good point. Um, we, we'll have some authors in from time to time, uh, executives, um, umpires but as far as any personnel that have worn the uniform uh outside of managers uh we try to do our best to focus on making sure that whoever that person is that they probably there there's probably a nine out of ten chance that if you look from a a statistical standpoint they're in the top 10 percent of the game uh we like bringing in um Former players, for the very reason they're not as reserved, uh, they. what I, I understand, they, they exact they and they have more stories. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, you you know if you bring in a young guy today, it's playing for the Reds. He's not going to have many stories, right? And he's got to watch what he says. Yep. <laughs> so, and he's a little more nervous at the podium and whatnot. But uh, and you look at the demographics of our membership, the the people we bring in generally are right in the wheelhouse of when we were kids. These were our heroes and whatnot. Uh, we actually had a, um, uh, one of our speakers a few years ago was John Thorne, who's Major League Baseball's resident historian. And somebody asked him a, a great question. They said, well, hey, and from your perspective, John, when was baseball's golden era? He looked at the crowd and he pointed to everybody. And he said it "Was it was whenever you were 12, you know, I thought that was a great answer. That is a good answer. And it, he's right. And uh, if you look at the demographics of our members, by and large, the guys that come in here are probably when, you know, between our members were 10 and 20, you know, yeah. and whatnot. So, uh, and we've had a number of uh, great experiences in here. We also, we we ask people not record anything. hmm because uh, we tell our, uh, you know, let it fly, what's said in the clubhouse, remains in the clubhouse, and we're very respectful of that. And it, the speaker lets their guard down. They actually enjoy it because it's a pretty intimate setting. It's not a big, you know, rubber chicken dinner banquet with right, all right. kinds of people in there and hundreds of people. And, and they, they
0: have the trust factor. They know nothing's going to get out. It, when they, they do that.
1: You know, we allow photos. And then afterwards, uh, when, when the program, uh, the, the podium program is done, you know, for those members who want to go up and talk to the guy one-on-one and get their photo, they're free to do that. Um, from time to time, people might leave with a signed book or a ball or something like that. Uh, but it, it's pretty cool.
0: What's your, who's your favorite speaker?
1: We get asked that all the time. And, uh, Are you allowed to give an answer? Uh, y- y- my problem is I, I have a hard time coming up with an answer. Because we've had such a wide variety of personalities here and because we've had so many now i can't re- remember probably there were probably some great ones in the past like i have to go down the list and look at that name like oh yeah that that guy was great dan bell our manager here he answered that question the other day to a group i thought he was pretty good he said it's typically the guy that was just in yeah yeah
0: yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah one of the guys who i don't know if you've been here because i know you um you live in arizona you said half the year
1: uh I got residents out there, but we we I can float back and forth. Float back and forth.
0: Have you ever been here when Sean Casey was here?
1: I, I've been here when Sean has been here more as just stopping in as a friend to say hi and whatnot, and I was here for another event Sean personally, two events Sean personally had here. He rented the facility, but uh, unfortunately I haven't been here when Sean – was actually our right society speaker and we've had him twice and typically we don't recycle because the wells still deep of great personalities I typically don't recycle people until we absolutely have to but it's funny you bring up Sean's name the guy is unique he's one of a kind he's awesome and only by popular demand we had him back a few years later and I mean he's I've heard he's just incredible he's he, he, he's one of a kind I mean, he is one of a kind. Uh, there's, there's a lot of great guys in this game, wonderful people, but there's something about him.
0: Well, and yeah. it's not just you know he was a good player, but when you're bringing someone in to speak, I mean, someone who can who can tell stories and tell them about a way. Oh, their he can't,
1: and he's the kind of guy. I could hear he's got some standard stories. I could hear those every time I see him. I'm still laughing. Yeah, they're great, and you know, it's Sean is so so affable and so so entertaining you know Q&A is a big part of our program our members really like to ask these guys questions and our members ask very good and deep questions We get matter of fact our number speakers have told us like man you know I've done a few of these things but the questions coming from this group are pretty good and uh, anyway I digress but I think the first time Sean was in here he was at the podium probably close to two hours there was no Q&A because he had so many stories, he was on a roll, and I tell you, I was told the whole group was rolling on the ground in laughter. They couldn't get enough of it.
0: When you, uh, when you, I guess, are looking for a speaker, or you know, kind of just, you know, how do you, kind of, how do you go about getting somebody?
1: It's 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 high. It's kind of a hybrid process. Um, I've been somewhat connected in the game now and with Cooperstown and whatnot. I've been very fortunate to secure a lot of guys that way. Uh, I know a number of people in the game that help us get people. Uh, but over the years, now that we're getting our own reputation, when somebody comes in here, I'll talk to them in terms of, hey, do you have a former a buddy or former teammate or what have you that might want to do this? And so we get leads that way. So. And there are a couple uh, agents out there that have a cradle access to a number of guys, so it's it's kind of a hybrid. Uh, we're always out there, you know, uh, shaking the bushes. Uh, we always try to get our next three to four in line so we can tell our members, you know, here are the dates and here's who's coming. Who's
0: coming uh, up next three or four? Uh,
1: we have uh, actually our one here in August is. Uh, Bruce Bochy, Oh, and Bruce obviously is a sitting manager, uh, three time World Series champion of the Giants, as we all know. Uh, that worked out because the Giants are coming into town and they're sit I think they get in a day early before they play the Reds on Friday night. So they are coming in Thursday from wherever they were. They're in LA right now. They're coming from LA. They have so once typically, I think how this works is. Once a team is done with a series, as soon as that last game's over, they're moving on. So they're coming right into Cincinnati. So by Bruce's virtue of being here and probably sitting around for a night with nothing to do, I'm like, hey, come on. I know his agent, John Boggs, great guy. And I just reached out to John and said, hey, would Bruce want to do this? He goes, sure. So that's how we got Bruce. Um, We're looking forward to uh, having him in. And then in September we got somewhat of a unique individual coming in, uh, and one Roger Clemens. Whoa! Yeah, and Roger will be here September, and I don't have that date in, right in front of me right now. That's what, that's that's probably get my age. You start from, got to have a cheat sheet with dates. But um,
0: that's now that's going to be interesting.
1: That will be interesting. Um, so you
0: said when you said the members and i'm glad this is this is perfect you said your know, members you know ask any questions they want are they going to be able to ask about pe- uh, peds and steroids I
1: you know i don't know roger personally i'm looking forward to meeting him i have been told by uh, people uh i know that do know him they said he's a great guy really uh, he's a great guy so i'm looking forward to that and i think he'll handle it well I'm sure by virtue of Roger being here and knowing what this is, I'm sure he's given it some thought that any type of question's gonna be thrown at him and I hope he'll be prepared for it. Uh, so we'll see how that all unfolds, but it should be interesting. And then uh, in October we have Rick Ankill oh, who wow. has a very interesting life story um i actually met rick through tony larusa and uh, tony highly recommended rick and uh i actually heard rick speak at one, uh, one of tony's events last fall and that's how i connected with him and it is a very interesting life story
0: i heard he's actually making a comeback
1: I read that, too. So I actually had to reach out and say, hey. <laughs> are, you, are you for sure coming? Are, are you coming? And that's happened to us before. I mean, once, you know. Uh, actually, Rafael Palmero was scheduled to be here, I think, this past that's March. That's right.
0: He's playing independent baseball right now.
1: It, it, did he get cooked yeah. on with independent yeah. team? Yeah. Yeah, he's in Texas. And he was, you know, as you know, before spring training started, he was bound to determine make a comeback. And I how in the heck is a guy – what is he 53 52 I, I, I what's he doing you know
0: well he's on, the, on this independent team he's yeah. on now his son's on the team too oh, okay they both signed together
1: I could see you doing an independent ball but he was down in terms of thinking he was going to be a major leaguer again or something and the the problem was as we were getting close to spring training he was still on our schedule but he wasn't going to he says, hey if somebody calls me I'm going I'm like I appreciate that. If I was a betting man, I don't think anybody's <laughs> going to be calling me. I didn't want to tell him that. I said, we just need to move on. So maybe we'll loop back with him here before So long. You've, you've
0: been in contact with so many Hall of Famers. From a personality standpoint, do you notice anything about the elite of the elite, you know, the Hall of Fame players versus uh, just, you know, everyone else? Because yeah. the game is so mental. I mean, so it, mental and it, so.
1: it It is. It's, uh, you know, I, I'm very fortunate to be able to call a number of hall of famous personal friends, and I have become good friends uh, with uh, a few of them. But and I do participate or go up to um, Cooperstown induction weekend each year, so you see these guys in that environment amongst their fraternity brothers, and uh, I will not to protect the guilty or the innocent. I'll get. get I won't get into names, but I will say, I, from my perspective, I distinctly, you can see there are tiers in that group. Uh, I think first ballot hall of famers do, uh, they command even a little bit more respect just because they're a first ballot hall of famer. Um, for example, um, I would say, this is just me talking from my personal observations, Hank Aaron's probably the the king of the group mm-hmm. up there because it's Hank Aaron, you know. Right. And I, you, 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 you get the, you, you see it, you feel it, you know it. Um, and then, but by and large, the group itself, when you look at all these guys, you know, not only the Hall of Fame players, but they're generally good guys. There's not many guys you run into up there that are just real, you know, pain pain in the butts or, you Huge know, egos e- e- or yeah. There's always a, a, an element of ego with, an, as expected with 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 people of this caliber, but they're generally good people. Yeah. Yeah. All I, of
0: them. Do you think uh, they have a level of, of confidence that's different?
1: I. You know, that's a great question, and I would say so there's something there's about genuine, them yeah. yeah they're confident and um, yeah, it's and it, it's a, there's a wide variety up there it's like a class you know where you have the serious guys you've got the guys that, the class you got the um, the, the guys that toe the line you got the partiers it's just like a, it's like a it's like a a class at school it, you can break it down uh, and then you got you know like the class clown you know and whatnot, but yeah Pete Rose, oh, Pete's been here a number of times. Has he? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, what what do you think
0: of? I mean, what's what's your opinion about Pete the person? There's so many different things out there in the yeah. media and some of the things he says, but just kind of I, I wanted to ask that because you said you know Roger Clemens is a great guy, and sometimes the media can portray a different image. Right. So, what do you think of Pete Rose?
1: Pete is a unique individual uh first of all as far as I mean, we go back to when we we're talking about you know when baseball's golden age was whenever you were 12 well, when i was 12 pete was it you know and i always remember pete the way he played the game uh, it was he was it was just phenomenal you know and pete is a very passionate guy i think pete is one of these folks that um Whatever he gets involved with, it's it's full throttle, and uh, he's like a savant. He remembers essentially every at bat, every count, every pitch. It's 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 crazy. But on the other hand, I think Pete has been his own worst enemy, and whatnot. And sometimes when Pete gets in interviews and whatnot, it, Pete likes to talk. You know, I think with some in some situations, there's a time to to stop (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. but it keeps on going and i think that's what gets him in trouble um you know i've gotten to know pete over the last number of years i i do see pete i think being more conscious about one's mortality and uh there is a good there is actually there's a good side of pete um I won't get into details, but I had a you know, tragedy in my family, and then I didn't expect this. I got a call from Pete, and it was probably the most sincere uh, condolences I got. I didn't expect that. And so there is that side of Pete. Um, Pete's, you know, he, he likes to make a buck, uh, and he'll he, that's what he focuses on right now.
0: Even though yeah. he's what, 75 seventy. Seventy five.
1: I think it's to him it's about the chase. Yeah. You know? And that's you know, instead of chasing a hit record, now it's chasing about making you know, making making money.
0: You think whatnot. he should be in the Hall of Fame?
1: I don't know if you'll find anybody out there that thinks Pete shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame, but should he be in the hall of fame is that, am i making sense yeah this? no yeah. from a statistics standpoint from a statistics yeah. standpoint and by the way you go up there and uh in cooperstown Pete's pretty well represented in the museum portion of cooperstown because there's two entities there's the the uh, the museum and then there's the hall of fame uh pete's material is in the hall of fame and he's represented in there he's just not represented in the plaque gallery um, our speakers get asked that question all the time, somewhere in the Q and A. What do you think about Pete? And I won't get into who says yay or nay about Pete, um, but I would say it's about fifty-fifty, you know. And I think a lot of people that that were say would say no, he shouldn't be. They would, they pretty much echo what I just said. They'll start with yes from a statistical Standpoint from the player standpoint, he should be. Then the butt comes out, and the butt is, hey, there is this cardinal rule, and he broke it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think
0: Johnny Bench didn't. Johnny Bench come out and say something similar to that. To that that he didn't think Pete should be in the Hall.
1: I won't speak for Johnny. I know that I, at one time or another, I think Johnny and Joe and even Mike Schmidt, um, even you know, try to help Pete get in. But then sometimes Pete, in the course of doing that, Pete might do something or say something, but it would be awful timing. And then, you know, like at that point, I think even those guys that were trying to help him kind of run from him, like Pete, you can't get out of your own way sometimes.
0: Right. Yeah. Since – and again, I kind of want to ask you some of these questions because you know so many more people in the Hall of Fame closer you know, than I do. What is everyone's take um, in Cooperstown um, from from you've seen or heard about players who use PEDs getting in the Hall of Fame? Because there has been technically players in the Hall of Fame currently who have used PEDs by today's standards. You know, amphetamines. You know, there's players in the Hall of Fame who have admitted that they've used amphetamines in the past, which is considered a PED. Right. So, what do you think? I mean, of 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 guys doing that or getting in who have used PEDs.
1: I think what I think doesn't really hold much weight, and I can't speak for the guys up there, uh, it's not discussed openly, at least around the bar, around groups much. And you're right, you know, their amphetamines were, were um, taken and whatnot. And there you hear the, r- the rumblings that, well, there's some guys that are probably already in the fraternity with a cloud of suspicion. And I, this is Bob Crotty talking. This isn't the, any other hall of, any, any hall of Famers talking. I think it's, yeah, that's a cloud of suspicion. It's the ones that were kind of brought forward and made public. And how they handled that is where we get into the issue. Um, for example... Let's say I don't. He's. I doubt he's a Hall of Famer, but let's say he had Hall of Famer statistics. And this is just me talking. I would say a guy like Andy Pettit would get more support for the very way he handled the situation. Came out, said, "I did it. It was wrong." You know, the truth will set you free. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I've been a big believer of that. And I would say, let's say if he was a Hall of Famer and had serious consideration, I don't think that would be held against him as much because he was so truthful. It's when you start to run from or hide something. Now the media and everybody's all over that, and that probably works against you. And... But right now you've got, and I know this is public record, obviously everybody knows that Joe Morgan came out with a letter last year and that was interesting and Joe has his opinion and obviously he's entitled to his opinion and I respect Joe. What's interesting is I don't know where you draw that line as, okay, there's somebody with a cloud of suspicion and then somebody was kind of called out on it. Well, there's a guy with a there's a couple guys a cloud of suspicion already in. Some guys are called out on it. And we don't want them in. I, I, where? Who's guilty and who's innocent and in all this? Right. Yeah. That's that's from my perspective. i like, how do you sort through all that? Yeah, that's tough. That's tough.
0: And it's and not. It's tough because what I didn't what I didn't realize is how the Hall of Fame is. You know, I just figured always that, you know, the best statistics and, you know, how, if whatever their attitude was, like, you wipe that away. It's just the statistics. But what you're kind of bringing up is there's a human element, too, to voters voting guys in. You know, oh,
1: by and large, it's interesting. We've had um, a couple panels now of writers, and that's been brought up. And this is just an observation of mine. It's not – I don't have statistics on this It's just because a, a, our sample size is small. When we have these panels, we'll have maybe six writers. I, But I do think that panel, in my opinion, probably represents what's going on out there, and it's this. Generally, the younger or newer the writer, they want them in. The older, tenured writers, they don't want any part of that. So, when I see Joe come out with his letter and whatnot, and I'm at, I met—I think I even asked Joe this or made this observation. I said, Joe, based on my gut and my small, small sample size, which I think is pretty accurate, generally, the newer riders want the guys in. The tenured riders don't want that in general. And you look at Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds I don't quote me on this I, again I have to go back look at my data I don't have it in front of me I think they were sitting at darn near 60% yeah, yeah. I know their mean, last yeah. go around my question is hmm what is the average turnover of the voting body each year so if you got a writer it passes or his cards expired or whatever it is so you got the older guard it's against they're coming off the voting body and you got the newbies coming on the voting body. I think it's something like it's 3 to 4% turnover. And if you use that analogy like you know what they've got about four more voting cycles, don't hold me to this. Um, I think it's about four.
0: Yeah, I think so.
1: Okay. Yeah. Well, it may be pretty darn close <laughs> yeah, yeah. before their their uh, their eligibility is
0: up. So, and th- Bob Bob Crotty is a is a writer, and you have a vote for the Hall of Fame. Are you gonna? Would you vote in Barry Bonds, and those guys? You know, Clemens, Barry. It's Bonds, good that
1: I don't have a vote. because yeah. I don't want to be in that situation, and I don't want to be evasive with that question. You know, if you asked me this question ten years ago, I'd say hell no time has passed and you're kind of looking at this whole situation and i'm my struggle is well there's guys with clouds of suspicion not publicly called out but clouds of suspicion that are in already in i have a problem with that are they guilty or are they innocent Right, And if they're guilty, well, why are they in? (laughs) And And these guys guys aren't. And there was an official up there, I will not name, not a Hall of Famer, but somebody, obviously with the the Hall of Fame staff, we had a discussion about that once. And I liked his answer, and I, I tend to agree with it. And again, it was just his opinion. He thinks... Over time, now, I don't know how long this period of time is. It could be a long time, maybe 10 years, maybe 20, maybe 30. I don't know. But over a period of time, he tends to believe they will find their way in. And this will be looked upon as an era within the game. Um, I, 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 I tend to agree with that. I could definitely see that. Yeah. It would be, it would be, look, uh, and you look back over the history, it would be looked upon as an era of the game.
0: I mean, I was, the other day, I was looking up, uh, well, Barry Bonds got, you know, his number got retired. Right. And so I was looking up some of the numbers he had. And oh, my Lord, like when he was 39 years old, he was, he had like 160 walks to, that's unbelievable, to 40 strikeouts. <laughs> Like people And people in baseball don't even realize like, yeah. how hard that is to have that ratio from yeah. a, a walk-to-strikeout to ratio, that you know plus to go along with 35, 40 home runs. And, and at 39 years old?
1: Isn't that amazing? Now, at 39 years old, it's interesting with Barry Bonds. If you looked at his trajectory in his work as a Pittsburgh Pirate, he was well on his way of going in the Hall of Fame. Right. Why Barry opted to go and do what he needed to do? I think there's theories out there and stories, you know.
0: Uh, when I heard, uh, was it Sosa McGuire? Right, yeah, run yeah, yeah, He wanted to be part of that. He wanted to get a part
1: of that. What's sad is he probably would have been a Hall of Famer anyway. Yeah. Okay. Um. Now, I'm no medical expert, and I, uh, I'd somebody had, I'd love to sit down with somebody's expert on PED and how that affects somebody's performance. I don't know if that's there's articles out there or not but i can understand when you connect with the ball how it could travel further mm-hmm. but does it help you connect right yeah and uh, your eye from uh, you know uh, taking you know from walking versus swing I, I i don't know yeah one of the um
0: one of the guys who looks up to barry bonds and you being um cincinnati fan yourself joey Vado. right in terms of you know being patient discipline things like that um have, has he been in here before
1: joey has been in here once he had an event here of his own uh when he was doing a charitable uh function it was a few years ago that's the only contact i've had with joey personally um interesting guy
0: that's right here
1: when he came in here he is about stats no doubt about that. Uh, he keeps track, and he can you know, ask Dan. He was there, too. We're just kind of chewing the fat, you know, before the event came in. And he was – he says, hey, have you seen this stat or that stat? And, it, Patrick, it was stats I'd never seen or heard of. <laughs> and you <laughs> you're a baseball And, and, and he's – I mean, and he's tracking it, you know. Uh, God love Joey Votto. my opinion after kind of hearing and witnessing that, I'm thinking to myself, Dude, why? Just go out and play. Just go out and play. Yeah. The stats will take care. The stats will be the stats to take care. Just go play.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you, yeah. are you under? Because I, you know, this is you know that I, I had George Foster on, and I don't want to speak for George, but I'll speak for George because I know him really well. And um, that generation, they think that's it, it's selfish approach. It's a selfish approach to to take a pitch down the middle. When you have a runner on third, less than two outs, and you know I know Joey's been on record saying um, he would rather you know get on base and hit a sacrifice fly and score the run, if that makes sense. So I'm wondering, um, since you and George are kind of in the same era, what do you, I mean? What do you think about all that?
1: I've, I've actually, actually I've heard some great ones from the old era, kind of diss that approach, and I would tend to agree with them. My point is, this just is me as a fan talking. You know, if you're being paid to hit in the three hole, I, I, I'm not looking for a guy to walk all the time. I or would you? No, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, no. <laughs> I, 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 that's that's the bottom line, you know. Um, I I don't get it, you know. If if That's just not you. you Get that run in, right? Yeah.
0: Um, Do you know any? Are are the Reds frustrated with
1: that? I'm not that close to the situation, Um, and anything I would have to offer is just one fan's hypothesis or opinion, just from a a casual observation from outside looking in. Um, Joey is a an interesting guy. He's unique.
0: He gives great interviews. I mean, very Yeah, he's very,
1: he's, I think he's, he's smart. He's wealthy. He thinks things through. Um, I don't know what the dynamics are, let's say, in a clubhouse. And would anybody even venture to approach Joey and confront him on the situation we're talking about? I don't know. Yeah, What do you think?
0: That's tough. I mean, yeah. he's the best player on the team. He is. And he makes the most money. And he, uh, if I'm, I mean, I'm 26, he's 34. I don't think I'm going to confront him in the (laughs) (laughs) clubhouse. Exactly. And if anything, I'm going to ask for probably advice. Yeah, yeah. right. If how to, uh, you know, get to where he's at. I think
1: you I would agree with you. So I think he's his own entity and he's going to do what he wants to do. My concern is he is, as you said, he'll be what, 34? He'll be thirty five in the fall. Yeah, probably. I think it's September or something. So like yeah, yeah, yeah. He's getting. I mean, yeah, and he's getting up there. He's thirty five. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, you know, it's interesting. He's got what? He seems like he's been sitting on nine home runs now for. Oh, I, that's, uh, I forever saw and day. day. Yeah, yeah. I know he's an all star and, and everything, yeah. but it's like, I just, I don't know. We're uh, we gonna see. You know, age is age, and it will creep up on you. And are we starting to see? least from a power standpoint, of this happening to Joey, right? Uh, and he's still got what, four more years, I think, on, on that on that contract.
0: Now, to, to his defense, he says that one of the reasons why he has he thinks the way he does, and I had Bronson Arroyo on a couple yeah. weeks ago. great guy. By Gra- the way, oh, great awesome. interview. I Bronson's mean, you, great. Have you, did you hear the stories about him lifting like three hundred pounds? Yeah, was, <laughs> I had him on. He told me that. I was like, what? Yeah. And but anyway, he was talking about. He's like, listen. There'll be times when Joey doesn't swing as hard as he can, and that's not because of anything now. He's just he's playing the long game. He's like, Well, what's what am I gonna be like when I'm forty? I wanna yeah. produce when I'm forty. I wanna be able to so he's his his thing is Bronson said, you know, what and then one of the things he said also, he's like, I've been teammates for Joey for several years and he's he um, um, compared him to Eddie Vetter of Pearl Gym. He Go said ahead. he talked to Eddie Vetter's uh, a manager and said, you know, I was, he's been his manager for twenty years, and he said, you know, I I still feel like I don't know who Eddie is after twenty years. And he said the same thing with kind of Joey. He's like, I I've been his teammate, but I still really don't like. He, they only let yeah. you in so, so much. much. Yeah. And a very private guy. Yeah, very private guy. Um, I thought that was interesting. When it, but just the comments that he made about he's he's thinking playing long. He's playing the long game when it comes to you know how how is he going to produce. So when he he. Maybe he didn't want to spoil us with all these home runs early on and then see, like, the drop-off late in his career, or I don't know. It's-
1: I, he was featured in, uh, I don't know if you saw this, was uh, a PBS American Master Series. They had a a new special it was a couple of weeks ago on Ted Williams. It's a good show. And he got a lot of airtime. On PBS? On It was on, yeah, PBS. Was it they called American Masters, I think it is? I'll
0: have to check that out, right? yeah, yeah,
1: and it was a new... Uh, production they did on Ted Williams and they went to Joey a lot for comments he worships Ted Williams he loves Ted Williams and uh, Boggs was on there a lot but was Joey uh, got a lot of airtime.
0: that's interesting yeah Yeah. let's I want to I want to kind of talk a little bit more about uh, this place specifically Green Diamond there's so many different items here do you have do you have a favorite item is there one specific thing that's your baby
1: that's a good question it, I guess it probably depends on what day it is and what uh, and not but I have a, some, a sentimental item I think from a monetary standpoint I don't know how valuable it is but um, my uh, uh, item near and dear to me is probably the one of one artist cast of the statues that are in Cooperstown's lobby of Jackie Robinson Roberto Clemente and Lou Lou Gehrig. Um, Those uh, life size statues are up in Cooperstown, and so we have the one on one artist cast of those. Um, I was involved in that project, so it's a a personal thing. So uh, that's probably the the item or items that are near and dear to me. Um, There are some other jerseys out. There, that we have from a Jackie Robinson jersey to Lou Gehrig jersey. I, I'm, I'm a huge Lou Gehrig fan. He's my favorite player of all time. Really? And just for what he, the way he conducted himself, the way he went about business, you know, living kind of in the shadow to a degree of uh, one Babe Ruth. That famous speech, yeah, too. Yeah, the famous speech, oh. the, you know, and, uh, you know, what happened to him, and just the dignity. And the guy is just awesome. There's a good book out there, by the way, written by, I think, Jonathan Igg. Called the luckiest man. Great read. Great. Let's read. check out. Uh, uh, great read on uh, Lou Gehrig's life.
0: I'll check that out for sure. What's the most um, expensive item in here? Like, is there, Have you been offered uh, X amount of dollars, or do you know?
1: No, I don't. I don't sell anything. And what well,
0: I mean, do you know as someone? Do you know like what the most valuable item is in here?
1: I I would say the, the Gehrig and the Robinson jerseys because they're, they're they're rare. Yeah. The thing is, when you get into usually these, I call it the quintessential Yankee guys, um, that usually is the more valuable stuff. Only because in the collecting world, you're going to have probably a lot of people with some wealth that live in New York City, and it's the Yankees. Yeah. So that uh, it's a, it's amazing. Um, here's Thurman Munson, great, good player, good player. Uh, probably was tracking. I'd have to look at the data. Probably, probably was tracking, maybe to be obviously uh, considered a Hall of Famer. Not in the Hall of Fame, but just anything signed or anything connected with Thurman Munson now is the, the value of It's off the charts.
0: How but he's should, not a Hall of Famer.
1: How much would you w- would you sell that Luke Gary jersey for? I, it's not for sale. I haven't even given that a, a really much thought. A couple yet. million? I, I won't go there. I, you know, the problem is, is people will come in here and they'll say, well, what's this all worth? I said, I can't tell you. I really can't yeah. because until, until it was actually sold, the market dictates that and the, whatever the market is that day, market could be up, could be down. Who knows? Yeah. You know? How did you get that, that Jersey? I got that. I got that through uh, an estate sale. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And I will not disclose numbers and all that because that's that's I just prefer not. Sure, it's not, sure, not sure. Not important. Um, hopefully, it's appreciated in value since I've got it. And, uh, but uh, I I was really after that because it was Luke Erickson Yeah. and he was my favorite player of all time. So
0: that's incredible. Well, I mean, this place is just so many different items in here so many cool things uh it's 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 a museum of, of baseball it's it's so cool and it's i mean i've been to cooperstown i've i've, I've been able to travel to different places and i can genuinely say like
1: uh, there's there's no other place like this besides uh, cooperstown thank thank you or um patrick honored uh just thank you for that compliment um cooperstown is special It is an amazing place, and for those in your listening audience that have not been there, they need to get up there. It will totally humble any collector. Uh, I've had the good fortune to go down in their basement in their archives a number of times, and if you think they got a lot of stuff out on display, they probably only display about 20% of what they own. Wow. and it will humble any collector it's uh we we hear this from time to time with these nice compliments oh it's like Cooperstown or better like no we're not that we might be a little mini version of it but uh everything we have here is pretty much out on display um i think it's the way we pretty much have things displayed here and we're not a traditional museum where you go in you 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 don't hang anything lower than X inches off the floor. You don't hang anything above X inches off the floor. Um, We've designed this place to make it more like organized chaos to a degree (laughs) and put things. We wanted stuff in the air. We wanted to surround you with it. You don't walk down different corridors, go upstairs through dark hallways with glass cases and all that kind of stuff. That's not us. I think we're tickled pink when people tell us, say, hey, this is better in Cooperstown. It's, it's, That's a whole nother model. It's phenomenal up there. We don't hold a candle to them. I think it's the way we've kind of just displayed stuff that gets people to probably say something it's like that. It's not
0: overwhelming, and it's not... The space isn't so big that you, if you feel like you can't see it. I mean, I feel like I can't see everything because there's so much good stuff here, but it's not because... The space is so big.
1: It's and that's what it is. It's, it engulfs you, and it's if you're in the entertainment space, you can look any direction and walk over there and go and have access to it. It's single floor. It's easy to navigate through, and we try to pack it with as much stuff as possible, but still break it down in some categories to tell a story, and that was pretty much the purpose of you know, when we put this model together. We had a design build team in they didn't know really what I had. I don't even know what I had because I'm a collector and not a curator. Yeah. And they said, well, we need an inventory of everything you have and the size and whatnot. Like, my guys, I I don't even know what I got and I sure as heck don't know the sizes <laughs> of everything. So I just said, just give us plenty of wall space. We'll make it work. We'll break things down into categories and we'll probably, you know, we'll display it in a, in a non-traditional sense from a museum standpoint. We wanted to make it more like a, more casual to a degree versus a stodgy museum uh, where people have, you know, it's well lit and it's it totally surrounds you. Our jerseys are all displayed for the most part, suspended from the air and double glass sided things. That's kind of different and unique. So it's kind of the elements is, of display is what makes us a little bit unique. Do you see, so
0: the members here are are, are older, do you see that the game, And the reason why I kind of bring this up is I heard, I've been hearing from some coaches lately and some people that not as many kids are playing or yeah. interested in baseball these days. Right. Do you agree or disagree with that?
1: I I guess based on what I'm reading, the participation rate in play of amateur ranks or little league and whatnot, I don't know if that's going up or down. My suspicion is it's probably, at best, leveled off. Uh, I don't know what you've heard or seen, but I think that's happening to a number of sports right now. I think football's got a real problem. Yeah, they got a problem. Uh, the I think baseball, a big concern, as from this one fan's perspective, is they've got to do a better job of getting the inner city kids back interested in the game. And the problem is, I think, from, again, an outsider looking in perspective, is you have all these, it's not inexpensive to play between all the competition and equipment. You have travel teams. Well, that's a commitment from time and money. And I think that's what these amateur – that's what's happening here at these youth levels. They're getting a little bit too competitive and too expensive to participate, and by virtue of doing that, you, you're boxing out a great resource of talent, and that's a concern. I think MLBs are trying to address that with some of these um, – the one they urban, have, youth, urban youth academy which is great that's good my concern is okay that might be well for the kids right within say a bike ride yeah, that's, yeah. of that facility but how do kids elsewhere in that entire community get in and out of there and sometimes I wonder would they have been better served doing more like Taking that money and break it down to having like
0: camps or something. Camps
1: or satellites or something like yeah. that. More strategically placed than putting all the eggs in one basket in one area. Uh, that's just me talking. But
0: I got I got a couple couple uh, couple ideas, couple things that I think the game could 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 grow from. One is I don't know if you're aware. I was doing some research the other day and um, I, I don't know. Did you see the commissioner's comments about Mike Trout? Uh, needing to brand himself better and market himself better i did not okay so the commissioner did come out and and say that 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 mike needs to kind of uh promote himself more to the game because they were talking about how um you know baseball doesn't really have you know an an icon or um, one guy um and then and then i thought it was interesting because i found myself uh glued to the television watching tiger woods on sunday and i don't even like golf but i was so into and so i i started thinking well why why is that and i guess there's different reasons you could say um you know from you know baseball they play so many games so you have so many chances to see guys versus you know golf is one day a week and this and that um i think a, a, a big problem for me anyway is the way that that major league baseball does media and the way that you can't, you know, find content on YouTube of highlights of games and things like that because they don't allow that. Right. I don't know if you knew that or not. And even even if you look at a, a Major League Baseball's Twitter page, so each organization has their verified Twitter page. They're only it, it's these weird rules. You're only allowed to share two of two highlights of that game during the game on Twitter, if that makes sense. Hmm. So like, it, and it's it's things like that that. Uh, Major League Baseball needs has to do a better job, um, in my opinion, of of, of social media of because that's where all these kids' attention is. It's online, and you see all these you know, soccer. You know, basketball does a great job of they. You know, there's highlights everywhere because you're allowed to share it yeah. on YouTube and things like that. I, I I think baseball needs to do a better job of that.
1: I would agree, and I think you said a, some key words there. Attention span. Yeah. My gut says. Today's kids' attention span is pretty limited. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in light of everything that's happened from a technology standpoint, life and whatnot, baseball is a different type of animal. And boy, we can go off in different topics here because, um, again, I'm just a one fan of opinion of one universe of one here. Y- you look at all this sabermetrics stuff going on. This is rolled according to Bob. You know sabermetrics and all this stuff is logically and mathematically correct. Okay. My problem is is when the entire industry embraces it and runs to it. Do we end up with a product that the customer doesn't want? Okay. Good point. Uh, for example, and we talk about attention span. They're struggling with you know how do we keep people's attention in the game? Like, well, you don't do it by increasing the number of all or nothing at bats. I mean, it's what was it close to thir- thirty some percent of all bats it, it results in either home run, a strikeout, or walk. Right, and, and that's climbing. Yeah, and I like okay, and then we're going to pitching change upon pitching change upon pitching change. Oh, huh. Yeah, because it's okay. changing. We're starters yeah, yeah. aren't going as long, and-, and it's all being driven by all this. And I like here, we, you know, they're going in one direction and doing what the mass says you need to do, but I'm not too sure the masses. Yeah, want that. <laughs> want that. Then that's just me talking
0: Yeah you know? That's a good point Yeah And bringing up to your Your uh, point earlier About how Travel baseball And money I know I know families around here I know there was a kid One of the top prospects um, um, In the area His family spent $20,000 Traveling him around Unbelievable Last summer Okay I mean how And and, and so here's how It's changed So when I was in Playing I'm 26 I'm not I'm not that old and not that long ago, it was a, Cincinnati, Ohio—a great summer yeah, baseball. There were right. good organizations. Everyone, you know, the top talent stayed here with with Midland and things. Now, these kids are, are the top players. Are they're going to, to to teams outside of the state, and they're just going to tournaments? So they're just traveling. It's all these showcases, and yeah, and, and traveling, But I mean, like the top tournaments and things like that. And I, I think, I mean,
1: I don't know. It's just insane. I mean, how can you I, afford that? How well? That's to my point earlier. You've boxed out a great, probably a large potential talent pool because they don't have the means to do that. Why are we doing that? And another thing is, uh, well, we go again in other directions, is I don't get it by why we're focusing on, we seem to be single-sport focused today. I'm dating myself. When I was a kid, you know, you played basketball, football, and then when was baseball season, you played baseball. You see... Man, I don't get it. Year-round pitching on a youth level—no wonder you got pitch counts at the major league level on these yeah, arms. Yeah, guys are I mean, they're, they're it's compared to the, it, it, way back in history. There's so darn many innings on these arms yeah. before they even sign a pro contract. You know, well, no wonder you're 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 babying these guys. You know, it's crazy. You know? It, is,
0: it is. There's yeah. so many Tommy Johns. Yeah. I mean, Dr. Kremchak is just doing search, so many surgeries yeah. these days. It's it's insane. Why? Uh, what's causing this uh, it's I see a lot of parents who live through their kids I really do I see a lot of that thank
1: you thank you I do thank, but, I, I, I I couldn't agree with you more
0: and, and I know baby that's like a, a, a some people say well you know you're just pushing the excuse mm. I see it because yeah. I give instruction like I just I see that firsthand you you have to back as a, as a parent for a kid back off like don't don't push anything see what they want to do do. see what they you know if they and if they're all in then support them but don't push them and and again we'll go back to bronson he told a story about how his dad never ever said well you went three for four but you should have gone four for he'd done this it was always like hey you know what tough day but let's give him tomorrow
1: yeah sort of a thing and i I see that a lot i do at the youth level it's it's and it, it goes beyond baseball yeah I see parents out there it's amazing they're living through their kids and it's all comparison and you know my kid does this my kid that then that then they need to have something to say my kid this my kid that and it's in it's in this fevered pace right now it's 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 insane
0: it's insane yeah it really is bob if anyone wants to 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 join green diamond gallery um what like what is the cost what like, how do they how do they go about doing okay. that
1: very simple uh you can just call us at uh 984-4192 4192 remember love that it. number okay. love it and uh it's very easy to process we just get some vital information from you name address phone number whatnot uh your birth date. And uh, it's two thousand dollars a year, and I know some people say, "Well, gee, that seems a bit much." i like, that seems "Well, seems a bit low to me." I think it's 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 what the customer thinks, but you have to look at it this way: when you have twelve events a year, and you divide that, and you're coming with beer, wine, nice food, intimate setting, like-minded people, uh, great speakers i mean roger uh, clemens is coming yeah, next month i mean do you want? i like to think it's one of the better baseball deals out there it has and, to be. And, and it's only happening here in cincinnati ohio uh, so it's very easy just give us a buzz we get your information uh, as soon as um, you're entered into the system we have a monthly newsletter you immediately get every month two announcements uh initial rsvp and then a reminder And then we have some other things that go out from time to time. So we are on our mail list. You just hit a button to say if you're coming or not to the next event. Got your name on the list at the door. And come in and enjoy yourself. Uh, Meet a lot of like-minded baseball nuts. And meet some great legends and personalities from the game. Uh, And it happens right here in Cincinnati, Ohio. Absolutely,
0: Bob. Really appreciate you coming on. Patrick, I enjoyed it. Fantastic stuff. We covered a lot of ground, didn't we? We did. We did. (laughs)